previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. But these are great, and I appreciate that. And it gets me... You can't eat these in the dark at a movie theater. They'll just stick to the top of your mouth. These? Yeah. Oh, I think these digest very well. They chew up. But at least the Haribu, you can you can pick it apart. You can pull it. You know the what you're Haribu is made out of things that survive bomb blasts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God only knows what Haribu Shelf made. life of several decades. Yeah. Like, you don't, There's no even, shelf life. They don't even bother <laughs> to put an expiration date yeah. on <laughs> Eat them you whenever. They just get better with age. Yeah. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Just, just to that subject, the Albanese, that's what they're called, the ones from Indiana, the Albanese gummy bears have found a home here as Carol has... Taking dipped, a liking? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I mean... <laughs> The other day, I opened up the bag to take a couple out, and there was like 12 left in the whole bag. <laughs> Carol had stuck her whole head into the bag and inhaled all the gummy bears. So we've lost those. I was going to give them to Liz, but Carol ate them all, so well, that's the end of that. <laughs> um, look, we have Wilbon and we have Pat Forty, and we will cover a whole bunch of things. Uh, there is news today other than the NFL, and the news is that Novak Djokovic has been cleared to play in the Australian Open by whatever tribunal was judging him in Australia. Um, the reporting over the weekend was that um, Djokovic was making a claim that he should be allowed to play because he had the coronavirus for at least the second time, by the way, if yeah. he's telling the truth. Right. For at least the second time. And that he had it in December, and so his antibodies were such that he really didn't need to be vaccinated. And that is probably medically true, if he's telling the truth. I don't believe a word he says ever. I don't. But if he's telling the truth, and, and this is the judgment, you got to remember, this is a, another country. It's not the United States. This is Australia. Whatever they make, they make decisions for Australia. We don't make decisions for Australia. So if he gets to play, he gets to play. If he wins, he wins. If he's triumphant, then he's the greatest player of all time, which I don't think he is. But, you know, he still hasn't explained himself. He's had an army of lawyers go to bat for him, but he hasn't explained himself. And so that's, that's why I don't trust It's just me personally. I don't trust him. That is news. There is also obviously news in the most important sport in the United States of America, professional football. And, and let me just give... It's easy to bang the NFL around, and I bang the NFL around, not as much as Wilbon, <laughs> but I bang the NFL around. What they did on the 17th game, making sure that everybody played divisional games, was brilliant. It was yes. absolutely brilliant. The games were much better and much closer than they might normally have been. It was brilliant. And three games stood out. The Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, he's got almost nothing left as a quarterback. But in the overtime, he made the throws he had to make, and Pittsburgh won that game and got into the playoffs, though almost didn't get into the playoffs. The San Francisco 49ers were down 17-3 to against the Rams in Los Angeles. At the moment that the trade for... Matthew Stafford was made. I went on television and I went on the podcast and I said, Matthew Stafford will be the MVP in Los Angeles Rams. will win the Super Bowl. That's eight or nine months ago. Wilbon laughed at me at the, at the time. He wasn't laughing going into the game yesterday. But once again, the Rams have been beaten by the 49ers. This is now six in a row by Jimmy Garoppolo playing with no thumb. 
He's got an injured ligament on his thumb, and he beat him again. He beat him again, six and zero. They were the Forty ers were down seventeen to three at the half. You, they blew it. They were dead in the water. They blew it, and then you know two interceptions by Stafford. They blew that game, and so the Forty ers got into the playoffs. The last remaining spot in this bizarre circumstance of if they tie, because of the odd ways. And the, it's the NFL's, as Jason Lockenford told us on Friday, it's the NFL's system, so they can't get mad at anybody else. In the NFL system, both the San Diego Chargers, or whatever they call themselves, and the Las Vegas Raiders, or whatever they call themselves. To me, it's San Diego and Oakland. <laughs> right. San Diego yes. and Oakland. But they're both going to get in if they tie. Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter is sensational. On fourth down plays all over the place. He's totally sensational. They get into an overtime. The clock is running. They both get in if you tie. The Chargers coach, Brandon Staley, calls a timeout that I would think was ill-advised, but I don't know that the game hung on it. In any case, he gave the Raiders time to call a play, and they called a play, and the play worked, and the Raiders at the end of the game kicked a field goal, so they get in, the Chargers are out. I'm not going to speak for Wilbon, but Wilbon always thinks that the Chargers take a nap he thinks they're the most disappointing team in professional football over the last 20 years. He thinks they had talent, and they never really, they never even got to the conference finals, let alone the Super Bowl. They never got to the conference finals. So those were the three most important games yesterday. Um, and it was, it was terrific. And, and I haven't even talked about the fact that the college football playoff game is tonight. And we'll ask Wilbon and Pat Forty about that. What did you... You know, and your team lost. Uh, yeah, they the lost. Raiders, and the Patriots lost. The Patriots, yeah. Very, but they were in the playoffs anyway. They, were, they just don't get a home game. They, but they would have needed Buffalo to lose, and Buffalo was playing the they Jets. They play Buffalo again, and yeah. they play Buffalo at Buffalo, where they beat them. Where they beat them in that, you know, See, appalling it's like the Cardinals. The Cardinals didn't win, so they didn't get above the Rams. So they have to play on the road. But they beat the Rams in L.A. the last time they played, and the Cardinals are a very good road team. Right. They're eight and one on the road. The Cardinals are, I think, sitting pretty against the Rams. Yeah, I think the Patriots, in their own way, are sitting pretty. It's not like the Patriots are going to get spooked by the weather. No, you no. Know? And they handled Buffalo in Buffalo. Now they were beaten in New England, but this game's not in New England. This game is in Buffalo. It'll be interesting to That's see what the weather is, and you know the, the chess match that Belichick always plays. Uh, that that should be fun. Uh, well, the other game that I thought was stunning to me was. Uh, the Jaguars beating um, beating the Colts. I, I've totally forgotten about that. That's the biggest gag <laughs> in the season. Like, That's the biggest gag in the season by Indianapolis. Like, the biggest gag I, in the season. I was talking about with Sean before we started that you know a couple of weeks ago. You're like, oh, the Colts—they're the hottest team in football. They got this great they running were. back, and he they got nothing. Just nothing. Jonathan Taylor got nothing. <laughs> yeah, and Carson Wentz. Oh, Wilbon is going to kill. <laughs> Wilbon will kill Carson Wentz. He just thinks Carson Wentz stinks. Yeah, and it's very hard to say Carson Wentz doesn't stink. Jacksonville, in their last five games against the Indianapolis Colts, Jacksonville's three and two. In their other twenty-nine games against the rest of the league, they're two and twenty-seven. It's remarkable. And that that the same thing almost happened to Tennessee. Yes, Houston, a team that had beaten them earlier in the year. Houston gave Tennessee everything they could have wanted. Jeff Ma got beat on that. I had totally agreed with that bet that Houston would would win by more than ten. Totally agreed with that. Or Tennessee win by Tennessee more than 10. rather. Tennessee yes. would win by more than ten, and you know, and and it was a much closer game. And they were up, they were up by twenty one. Right, they, up by twenty one. Yeah, it, it it goes to. Show, I mean, 
you know, I, I know we've seen dramatic things in the last day of the season for a number of leagues. And you think about baseball with all these crazy scenarios. Yeah, but scenarios. this was the great gift of the NFL to this, play divisional games. It was, it was perfectly planned. That made it brilliant. And you just couldn't take your eyes off it. And, again, the red zone, which is one of the greatest inventions in Western civilization. Yeah, that and, that and uh, you know, the automatic toll thing. Yes, yeah, the, the easy pass. pass. Yeah, the easy Whatever pass. Whatever they call that where you live. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it was just fantastic because you couldn't take your eyes off it. And... Um, and just thrilling all the way through to the, you know that that Chargers um, Raiders game at the end was just just fantastic. So I, Michael is not here now. He will be here at some point during the show, I believe. I was going to talk about our trip to South Carolina and thank John Engelbrecht, who listens all the time, for taking us to the Spring Island course. But I want to do that with Michael. By the way, I will say this: it's it's bitter cold in Washington, and there's yes. snow on the ground, and. Some of the rain melted some of the snow, and which gives you black ice when it's under freezing. I, if I don't have golf on the weekends, I'm lost. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm lost. It's a tough weekend because I can't, I can't go out and shop because of the virus. Right. I can't. I have no substitute. I can't go to the gym because of the virus. I can't see people I know and like in the kind of settings that I saw them for 73 years. I can't do that. And I sit in my house and I drive everyone in my house <laughs> insane. And I understand I do that. And I don't, I don't know what to do. Right. I don't know what to do. I mean, this is the time of your life where you say, live in Florida. You know, and Jed said, they told Jed, just move away from yeah. there. Calif said, California's yeah. <laughs> a place you ought to be. So he loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly Hills. That I mean, that's... You know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Would have been a nice day to play at Bel Air, I would think. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm looking through my window, and Michael's coming back here now. Oh, fantastic. So what we'll do is we will take a break um, as Michael comes back into the chair, and we will have Michael Wilbon when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, an aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Life insurance can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, your loved ones will have a financial cushion to pay for things like rent and mortgage payments and loans and education costs and everyday expenses. Having coverage through your job may not be enough. Most people need up to 10 times more to properly provide for their families, and typically, life insurance gets more expensive as you age, which I know. So it's smart to get a policy sooner rather than later. Head to PolicyGenius.com and answer a few questions about yourself. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Their licensed experts will help you understand your options and apply for a policy. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Policy Genius doesn't sell your info to third parties. Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot, if you watch those things. <clears throat> I don't. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for life insurance and placed $120 billion in coverage. So head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called Bees, B-E-E-S, Bees Deluxe. This is sent to us by Conrad Ware. This is called 
Prison of Love, and this is going to play in Michael Wilbon. Bees Deluxe, going to be in New York City at Sylvana on March the 3rd. Hatboro, Pennsylvania, March the 4th. Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, Jamie's House of Music, March the 11th. Madams, Oregon, Washington, D.C. That's sure. on... What street is that 18th? on? 18th Street, isn't it? That's right in Adams Morgan, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Adams Morgan. Adams, Oregon, in March the 12th. Tallahassee, Florida, Warrior on the River, March 18th. And the City Winery in Philadelphia on March 23rd. We'll play them again later. As I said, they play in Michael Wilbon. There's a lot of things to talk about. So we're going to try and hit as many as we can. The first thing is just a sort of general prediction and a, and a sense of the college football game tonight. Obviously, Pat Forty will go into detail later. But who do you like in this game, and are you excited about this game? Because I don't think you are, because I don't think I am. No, not particularly, Tony. Um, I'm going to watch. It's the national championship. I would never miss it. Um, I think yeah. Alabama will win it, because I think Alabama is just a superior program to Georgia, as great as Georgia is this year. Uh, I, I expect Alabama to come up with something. Alabama has a better quarterback. Um, yep. And I don't even know if Alabama's better at anything else specifically. I just have my sense is I don't go against Alabama in terms of betting against them. They just don't. Um, I am not particularly excited about this. I, I, I don't need to see another SEC game as we head to February. And and this is not. This is basically a nod. You know, you tip your cap to the SEC for having the best college football. It's the best product. It is the best almost every year. But do I need to see that all the time? No, I don't. And I I don't think this is good for college football. I don't mean the specific matchup of Alabama, Georgia. They're the two best teams. But I don't as I travel and I still I I travel almost as much as, you know, I have over the past thirty years. I don't get a sense of anticipation, excitement. You know, the, we still live close. We're we're close to the SEC. And there's, there's, there's some here, but I travel. And I was just in L.A. I was just in Scottsdale. I was, I've just been in Chicago. I don't get any sense of, oh, we can't wait for this. And, and they're, look, and I, I grew up in a college football circumstance, 92 miles from Notre Dame in South Bend. So I grew up with college football and love it. And But but this this fixation with one conference, I mean, don't tell me that these other places, other cities, other people's fans are just excited to see the SEC every single week. And is this any fault of the SEC? No. No, they're no, better than everybody else. They can't be good enough. They just can't yeah, be good they're, enough. And, they're better, but know. it's a regional – It's a regional. yeah, I agree with you. Uh, let's move on to Djokovic, uh, the news that whatever the courts are in Australia, I mean, it, it's a different country from the United States. I don't know how they make these decisions, but they have decided to let him play. Um, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of Djokovic. I don't believe that he tells the truth. I think he could have circumvented all of this anxiety by just saying, here is why I got the medical exemption. Here is what I had recently, but he didn't do any of those things. What are your thoughts? Pretty much that. Um, I, you know, I think that, that villains can be great for their sports individually. They, collectively, they, they can be great. They can galvanize people to come and just look, come into the tent, see this guy, yep. see this yep. person. What, what do you got? But I think, Djokov, I think Djokovic comes off right now as just a bad guy. As a bad, he comes off. I'm not saying he is. He comes off as a bad guy. And I don't know 
what I will feel about him playing. I guess I got to wait until that happens, and I'm probably going to for people to beat his brains out uh, in this tournament. And he's, he's clearly great. His was tough for tennis. If he is that, he, first of all, he's certainly not perceived with the, the warmth of Roger Federer or the oh, respect no. of Rafa Nadal. No. No, no, and he, but but no, no. but he may he may in time, short time, short time, have a resume that says he's the greatest tennis player of all time. That's right, and that's a problem to me for tennis when the guy. It's not like people could see McEnroe as a villain when he was in his heyday. Um, God, McEnroe was great as he was only one, I think, seven slams. It's not like that. When you're, when you're looking at a personality and you're deciding, okay, I like this guy, I don't like this guy, I like his shoes, or like his racket, or the temper bothers me, or I love the temper. I was one of those people who loved the temper. It isn't that. He, he seems now like, a, like fundamentally a person that you just want to distance yourself from. And if that is the case, as tennis is already now losing Serena Williams, just to, to, to the natural you know, cycle of things, that's, that's, that's bad for tennis. I agree with that. Let's move on to football. I made the point earlier that <clears throat> even though 17 games is too many and it's one less than you're going to have in two years, 18 games, which is too, too many, what the NFL did by scheduling only divisional games was a stroke of brilliance. And there's three games in particular that were you, you could not take your eyes off them unless, like me, you were asleep on the last one. But one was Baltimore-Pittsburgh and one was the Rams-49ers. And then the one at the end which I know you watched all the way through, an unbelievable performance on fourth downs by Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter. Literally unbelievable. I mean, the guy was that great. And they get into an overtime, and they're both going to get in. They're going to get in if they tie. And the timeout called by Brandon Staley, I don't know that that loses the game for him, but it seems like an odd timeout. And the Vegas Raiders win that game, and it seems to me, Mike, they get into the playoffs, that this guy Basaccia is worth another couple of years there, it seems to me. What did you make of all three of those games? Well, you know, it's interesting, Tony. I, I, they, can, they can do, you can still have a division matchups on the season finale with 16 games. Sure, so, sure. 16 games, people can try to paint it with, as they want it, and the networks are, of course, co-opted because they're partners. And they have to all say, and they have the anchors say, you know the biggest season ever. It's too much. It's too much football. Um, you can have the same Sunday finale with 16 games. So, to me, one doesn't justify the other. Now, those games they were compelling in that they were dramatic. Like yeah. the, the 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 49er game. There's a lot of criticism to be leveled at the Rams, and I know they've been your favorite, and they they have, it's totally reasonable. To have yeah, but favorite. Stafford totally throws the ball to the other team. Well, he throws the ball to the years. other team. He lived for 12 years. Yeah. Some so, of us were paying yeah. attention. Those yeah, because he was in your division. In yeah, part of the country. You know, yeah. I've been paying attention to Stafford closely for, a, a, again, a dozen years or whatever it is, 11, whatever it is. So this is not a surprise. But that game was flawed. He, he sort of lost that game. Um, yeah. What was the other game? The, the, Raider, the, the Pittsburgh game, you know, there's nostalgia now for Ben Roethlisberger, and he's earned it. You know, you know, I think more of Ben Roethlisberger and his credentials with the Hall of Fame a little bit more than you do. Um, but he can't play anymore. He had a great overtime. Was it overtime or was it the fourth quarter? Whatever. Yeah, he had a great overtime on it's third great. downs. He did. But he, he, he can't did. play anymore. He can barely nope. get the ball 20 yards down the field. And so it, those aren't great performances. I'm not even sure they were great games. They were dramatic. 
And nothing, nothing was as dramatic as last night's game. Nothing. It just wasn't. Because you, you, you're right, you're right, Tony. You can't take your. Well, I took my eyes off for a few minutes because I, I was watching. I am vested in basketball for a lot of reasons, and I was watching something else that was compelling that no one will know about in the country today, but a handful of us. I was watching John Morant make his case for MVP and destroy the Los Angeles Lakers in Los Angeles. I'm using this word advisedly. Destroy. He literally rained doom down on the Lakers. He threw the ball. He had to move his face from hitting the rim several times last night, and he literally brought doom to the Lakers. So I'm watching that, and I'm watching because I got more than one TV. I'm watching the, the football, and for different reasons, they're completely compelling. And that the drama in that game, because I, I, you know I said on Friday, I thought the whole notion of the tie coming up to all those other circumstances. Yeah. I thought it was fake news. I thought it was just fake news. Oh, I thought it wasn't, these things are wasn't. not all going to happen. This is fake. This is yeah. junk. This is just another, you know, marketing silliness. And, of course, it all lined up. It all yeah. lined up perfectly for the NFL, every one of those circumstances. What and a gag job by Indianapolis. What a look, gag that saying, was. The big loser of the day is not San Diego. It's not the Chargers. The big loser of the day is Indianapolis and Carson Wentz. And when I turn on my TV today, I don't want to hear any excuse-making, all right, from the, from, the, from the multiple networks of people who analyze football games, and, and, and the great majority of them are former players and coaches. I don't want to hear, like I heard for the last two years, excuses for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, get out of town, man. This dude is so massively overrated, it's unbelievable. And there's no way that they should get swept by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just it's terrible. It ought to be embarrassing. I don't know. It, it, it was. But going back to last night, I mean, this guy, Brandon, whatever his name is, for the Chargers, I, I, think he's, I think he's kind of cheesy, too, on, on, on multiple levels. I think He goes on fourth down division. more than anybody. He spent the whole season undermining his team. And maybe they love that right now, and they love playing for him. Maybe they probably do. And there are a lot of things he probably does very, very, very well, unlike the coaches in Minnesota and Chicago who want to be fired by the time people are listening to this. But I, I, I just look at him and go, dude, you cost your team all the time. All the time. You cost your team. A field goal here, a point there. You know what? You, you have one or two of these things back in – the, and the, the Chargers would have won like three more games. I just I don't like him. Um, at, at last night was yesterday turned out to be one of the one of the great sporting days for television ever because um, of the way those games played out. And, and if people are paying attention to other stuff, if they're watching the golf, I did not. I didn't, I, look, you know, it's not like me. To not watch a single swing of a club, but I didn't. Yeah, I watched some and of the I'll, golf. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I missed you know, utterly. I, I missed the Olympic skating utterly. I'm not. I didn't I'm even know the Olympics. That. I didn't even know the Olympics were going to be played like in about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I was unaware yeah. of that. I had yeah. to. I had to ask the uh, Alexa. Where are the Olympics being played? I didn't even remember where the Olympics were being played. And let, let me just get to some other thing because I want you to talk about this. Sidney Poitier, I want you to tell people what it was like growing up with Sidney Poitier as, as a role model and icon in your home. 
Well, my mother and father were the exact same age as Sidney Poitier. Uh, my father would have just turned 95, so he was, you know, less than a year older. Sidney Poitier and my mother were born a few months apart. And when the, when a Sidney Poitier movie came out, it dropped, as the kids say now. Uh, in my house, that was that was cause for not just celebration, but obsession with with him as an artist, whether it was Lilies of the Field or No Way Out or uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner or To Sew With Love, and those are the later ones. You know, there were, there, No Way Out is a tremendous movie. Heat of the Night, as you know, I know you love that movie with Rod Steyer. Loved it. These loved are, it. These are these mo- the movies themselves. I tell people all the time. There's a movie that City Poitier has with with, with um, oh goodness, uh, Shelley Winters called Patch of Blue, and I'm telling people now they should go get it. Just go get it. Where Sidney Poitier and his brother, they are either med school students or just out of med school. And they go to the park every day. I'm not sure where this is set. God knows it couldn't be set. Well, I guess it, I guess it was in the South. They go, to the, they, they, they go to the park every day, and there's this young blonde woman there, and she's a student younger than they are, and she's blind. And she goes to the park to eat her lunch every day. And one day it gets close to dark. It gets a little too dark, and she is completely panicked because she's lost. And her mom is not there. Whoever picks her up is not there. And Sidney Poitier goes over to befriend her and sees that she's lost. And this is the basis of, this is the, the, the start of, of, of one of the great stories I've ever seen, Patch of Blue. And when these, and, and Shelley Winters is the bigoted mother who doesn't want her daughter to even be saved by a Negro in 1964, or whatever it is. And when these movies came out, not only did we go and see them, my, my my father wanted to see them on the first night, usually, and some of those were weeknights. But we would put on a, at least a jacket. You, well, a lot of people put on a jacket and tie. We got dressed up. And my mother, if my father wasn't going on a Saturday, my mother took us to the movies. We went to the movies. We had lunch. We had lunch downtown. This was an event. It was like going to a Game 7 to see Sidney Poitier on screen. And, it, 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 it you know, I can remember it clearly because there were so many of them i mean i just named half of them and lilies of the field of course is the one for which he won um academy, academy award, award became the first african-american actor to do so and he was like jackie robinson in my house um and 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 there were people you know when when, when i told you this story last night tony when diane carroll began to star in the television sitcom julia which was only on about three or four years and she was the only person in a title role of color then, in the 1960s. We moved, my parents moved our music lesson from something we all drove downtown to every Tuesday night. When I think Julie was on, people can look at, I think it was on NBC on, Sunday, on Tuesday nights. We, my parents sought and received permission to move the lesson to Thursday night. So we could stay home and watch it as a family. You didn't stream it. You didn't have to DVR it. You had to watch it, and we watched it, and so did other. My story is not unique, um, but 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 that was the gravity in, in my house, in which uh, the respect in which Sidney Poitier was held. And so, I still haven't read the obits. It's just too sad for me. Um, and I, you know, I immediately thought, you know, two years ago when when my mom was alive, what would she, you know, how how would she have handled this? 
uh, because he was uh, there. There was no bigger problem. You know, I guess my for my parents, I'm sure Joe Lewis might have been bigger. For my father, Joe Lewis might have been bigger. Um, Ali was right there, but but Sidney Poitier was was that was that person in in our household. That's so good. That's so good. All right, I'll see you later. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. Um, Pat Forty will talk about the national championship game when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the solo stove ad. There's nothing quite like the feeling of gathering around a warm fire on a cool evening. Now, the evenings in Washington the last few days have been more than cool. They've been more than cool. If you want to do the solo stove, I'm with you. I'm just not physically with you. It's a bit brisk. It, yeah. And a smokeless fire pit from Solo Stove makes your outdoor moments even more memorable because instead of having to constantly dodge campfire fumes, you can sit back, relax, and actually enjoy the fire. And right now, you can get a great deal on a Solo Stove fire pit. So this is a true story. Um, my original trainer, Uriel, who moved on to open up a gym and do other things in his life, Uriel sent me a picture of him sitting by a solo stove the really? other day. I said, is that a solo stove? He says, I love it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Says, Uriel, upgrade your backyard with a solo stove fire pit. It's the perfect catalyst for getting outside and spending more time with family and friends. Build lasting memories around a solo stove fire pit. Solo stove fire pits are brilliantly engineered. They're made with premium grade 304 stainless steel and a 360 degree airflow system that maximizes efficiency while minimizing smoke. They're easy to light with a few bits of starter and your fire is blazing in minutes, and they're perfectly portable. You take them on camping trips. Those of you who go on camping trips, don't invite me. Don't go on camping trips. Shop now. Get up to 30% off fire pits all month long and use the promo code TONYK at the checkout to get an extra $10 off, plus a lifetime warranty and free 30-day returns. Just go to solostove.com, and remember, you'll get $10 off when you use the promo code TONYK. So what does that tell you, people? Use the code. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I like bands that play like this. Yeah. Once again, this is Bees Deluxe. This is called Palace of the King. I like bands like this. I do, I have to admit. Michael, if people have original music like Bees Deluxe that I'm going to like... And they want to send it in. How do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated joins us now. I'm going to go backwards in this. Normally, you would ask a bunch of questions and then say, who do you think is going to win tonight? I'm doing it the other way because I want to do the what I think is the more important stuff down the road. Who do you think? If you're in Indianapolis. Who do you think is going to win tonight between Georgia and Alabama? Uh, I think Georgia's going to win, Tony. I've been stubborn a little bit on them, but I, I I just think they have been the best team this year. They've had 13 great games and one bad one. And, yes, that bad game is against who they're going to play Monday night, mm-hmm. but uh, I think probably learned some stuff about what they could and couldn't do against Alabama and, uh, you know, play a, a better, smarter game. And uh, I just I, I think I expect them to to win the line of scrimmage both sides, and I think Stetson Bennett is actually good enough, and we'll see how it goes. But I I, I like the Bulldogs. So you and I have covered every sport that there is, every single sport. 
I don't know if you'll agree with what I'm going to say now, but I believe that college football has the greatest fan base and has the greatest fans. I think college football is the number one thing, and I say that over the NFL because of the passion involved in it. You, you can take exception with me if you want. I'm, I'm curious as to what you think. Oh, I agree with you, actually, 100%. I think yeah. <laughs> college football fans will put up with more stuff, you know, for, for their sake of covering their going to their cheering for their teams than, you know, you tell them the game's starting at 11 a.m., they're there. You tell them it's starting at 9 p.m., they're there. Uh, you, you send the South to Indianapolis, they're here. So uh, I, I, I absolutely agree that the ardor is there like uh, nobody else. Right. And I'm going to give you a statistic which I'm sure you're familiar with. The SEC has won 11 of the last 15 national championships. 11 of 15. This is Florida, LSU, Auburn, Alabama. 11 of the last 15. And one of them is going to win tonight, which is going to make it 12 of 16. So given what college football is, is this bad for college football that, that the SEC is this dominant, that you have a repeat game, that it feels like the Pac-12 and even the Big Ten and the Big 12, it just feels like everybody's shut out except some small states in the South? Yeah, I actually do. I, you know, that, I mean, it is what it is, and the best teams are the best teams. And I don't think you, you know, legislate against that or anything. But right. I, I don't think it's good. I think that it would be better off if this were a true national championship, and we did have, uh, you know, an Ohio State, a Michigan, whoever, uh, a Penn State, a, a USC, a Notre Dame, uh, even you know an Oklahoma, Texas, whoever, you know, just that, that if there were a little bit more regional distribution, um, it's funny, you know, like this drives it home, I think, being here in Indianapolis where it is freezing cold and the, the SEC fans don't have enough warm clothing because they don't own it. And it's like, it, it, it's like this is a little regional championship that has been displaced to the Midwest, uh, but that's the way it is. I mean, those are the best teams, and I, I don't know when and how that's going to necessarily change. I mean, you know, maybe Ohio State, Notre Dame, some other teams could possibly, you know, upset at Apple Court here. But, but for now, the, t- the best teams are in the South, and that's the way it's been. Why is the SEC best? Why? What do they do? Well, they produce the best players. You know, I mean, if if you look at, at, at really, especially at Georgia's roster, I know they they do have a tight end from Napa Valley, which is kind of cute, um, and you know, some guys from Baltimore and and one, a, a cornerback from Arizona, but for the most part, they are from Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, uh, South Carolina. I mean, that that's where they're from, and Alabama, the same thing. The players are from the South. The best schools are from the South. The imperative is from the South of we have to win. It matters more to us than it does to anyone else. And so, you know, they're going to put every resource into it. They're going to pay the coaches like sultans. They're going to build every facility. They're going to have a staff of a million people. You know, it, it all is there just because if they don't win in the South, what the heck are they going to do? 
They're going to get even better with Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to get even better, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, and actually, I, I feel for Texas and Oklahoma because I, I think they're going to get their brains beaten in. Uh, now, eventually, they'll be fine, especially yeah, Texas, yeah. because they've got all the money and they've got, they've got players there, too. But, um, you know, I, I, I think ultimately Texas, Texas A&M will, will, will have the input to, 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 to compete. But, yeah, no, this, I mean, yeah, this is the way it's going and it's going to keep going that way. And if, if you want to change that, then you do things like, uh, like, like USC did and go hire Lincoln Riley for a lot of money and hope that that changes. But, but, Really, for the most part, no. This is this is what we got. What in God's name happened to the Pac-12? What happened to them? Uh, my thought is they don't care as much. And so, again, going back to what I said, like yeah. it it just doesn't matter as much for like UCLA is not going to do every single thing it could possibly imagine to be good. Uh, you know, USC is going to be fine. No, Oregon's going to be fine. Washington would like to be good, but really doesn't, you know, I mean, do they want to spend a hundred million dollars on a coach over 10 years? Do they want to build all the facilities, all that stuff? I, I just don't think they care as much. I, I will never forget going to a game in 2004, Cal at USC with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback for California and Troy Polamalu and many others on the defense for USC. And it was one of the best games I've ever been to. And you walk out of the L.A. Coliseum afterwards, and, and the Cal fans are like, huh, wow, gosh, we wish we would have won. And it's like, oh, gosh, this isn't the SEC, is it? Because in the SEC, <laughs> nobody walks out saying, oh, gosh, we would have won. They're throwing stuff, they're breaking things, and they're cussing out the coach. So, again, it's just like, how much do you want it? So let me point a couple of things out. In the past, I don't know, 10 years, Duke, Baylor, Kentucky, Villanova, Michigan State, basketball, all around the country, right? All or Florida, all around the country. We don't have this in basketball like we have it in football. I'm not saying it's dangerous for the sport because I think the sport survives all of these things. I'm saying that, you know, 12 out of 16 is an enormous number. The national champion to come from one place 12 out of 16 times, Pat. Yeah. But again, that's where the players are. That's where the intensity is. And I, I look, I agree. I would love to see it where you get champions from everywhere. But, you know, that's where we are right now. I just, I don't think. It's it's changing very quickly, uh, but but that is what we have. And I yes, ideally, yes, we get us get us people from all over the country who can be involved in it, and uh, and let's have a national championship for the national champion. See, uh, Wilbon was on earlier, and he said, and I I echo this. He's going to watch. Of course, he's going to watch. He just doesn't have particular enthusiasm for it. I feel the same way. I'm going to watch. I feel like I've seen it before and not just this year. You know, and so, you know, I'm going to appreciate the game. But it's not exciting to me. And I wonder if if there's any danger of the how have the ratings been lately 
when all you get is Alabama and Clemson, basically? You know, how have the ratings been? Yeah, well, it's interesting. The ratings actually were very low for the semifinals in comparison to previous years. And I do think uh, now, part of that I think is indicative of playing on New Year's Eve, which was stupid. New Year's Eve. Sure, sure, yeah, so totally right? stupid. You know, totally stupid. Play yeah. on New Year's Day when people are accustomed to watching football. Uh, you know, the Rose Bowl rated as highly as Alabama and Cincinnati, and that uh, to me tells me like this is when people want to watch yeah. football, not at three thirty on a Friday. Um, right, I agree. You know, so that you you are giving people a regionalized product on bad times. Now, I, I think the ratings will probably be pretty good tonight because, as, as you said, it's Monday night. This is what's on. Yeah. People love football. They'll want to watch, and there's going to be 20 NFL guys on the field. But, you know, the, the, the sameness of it, the regional specialization of it uh, do not help. They really don't. Like, if, if I, I would have loved if Michigan had made it, but Michigan wasn't good enough. They got destroyed by Georgia. I mean, you can find, you go on the internet and you find the number of clips of Georgia players just decking Michigan players. Like, oh, y'all might need to go to the weight room for about 10 months, and we'll see in September. But this is what we got. I agree. I agree. I'll get you out of here on this. Is Saban actually this good? He's got six <laughs> of these things. Is he actually yeah. this good? Yeah, seven if you give him the LSU one too. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's the best ever. He really is. He really he like. I think it seemed a little bit kind of like almost sacrilegious to say he's better than Bear Bryant. He's better than Woody Hayes, John McKay. Go back, Bud Wilkinson, Newt Rockney. But he is. He's won seven national championships and six of them here at Alabama. And, between 2009 and 2020, and he may well win another one this year. And if he doesn't, he's going to win it next year. They'll be the best team next year. And the amazing thing to me, he has adapted and changed and grown. He's 70 years old, and he's still coaching differently. Which you know, most guys at our age would be like, "Oh no, we're doing it my way." You know that this is yeah. the only way we need to do it. But he's more. Uh, I think perceptive, sympathetic, kinder, gentler with this team. He became a better offensive coach. Uh, you know, it's just, it's remarkable to see a guy who came up as a total hard-nosed defensive disciplinarian now be like, ah, you know what, we can win it with offense, and, and I can be patient with Bryce Young. And it's like, wow, who are you? I mean, uh, Greg McElroy said he's, he's so different than when he coached him uh, in 2009 when they won their first title in Alabama. So amazing for Nick Saban. Thank you, Pat. Enjoy yourself. Talk soon. All right. Thank you, Tony. Pat Forty, boys and girls of Sports Illustrated. We will take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Bagpipe. It's Donald McPhee from Alexandria, not Virginia, Alexandria, Scotland. <laughs> That's right. That's a bagpipe. 
That's fabulous. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? We love Bethesda bagels. You would as well. Got the bagel sandwiches today. That's always Michael a great can bring day. Bring one home to Liz. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all She's you need, still recovering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all you need to do is go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say: been beat up and battered around, been sent up, and I've been shot down. You're the best thing I've ever found. Handle me with care, and I don't know that. Oh, that's uh, the traveling Wilburys. They're okay. the, one of the great. Oh, songs. handle me with care. Handle me with okay. care. Yes. Oh, so that's George Harrison, Harrison, uh, Roy Orbison, Orbison and, and Tom Petty. Yeah. Um, and Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Lynn and Bob Dylan. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty. Thanks to today's sponsors, Solo Stove and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I mentioned while, while you were not with us uh, how John Engelbrecht had taken us to Spring Island to play that course. It was very lovely. So generous and great to catch up with him. We had a great round and an even better dinner. Yeah, so very, very lovely. We'll see um, him in March. Yeah, from Brian Moeller, who's Maybe an we'll assistant principal <laughs> in Reed Spring High School all right, in, in Missouri. I've been listening to your show for a long time now. It has never failed to entertain, but the heartwarming moments have been extra special lately. As you were telling the story of your Pinehurst round with Ambrose, it reminded me of how my father-in-law taught me the joy of meeting people on the course. As an early player, I was always hesitant about embarrassing myself, playing with people I didn't know. But over the years, I found that some of my favorite rounds have been with people I met that day on the course. A round of golf, whether it be with friends, family, or someone you just met, can be a wonderful way to connect. I cherish the rounds I had with my father-in-law, and now that I get to share with my son. Hearing about your rounds that you play are just another example about why the show touches so many, even though it stinks, and he's happy to say that. From Rory lovely. Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine. If we're playing this game now, I have, 18, I have 16 outlets, <laughs> four USB outlets, and 11 light switches. Nice to be related to an electrician when you build a house. The toaster only does two slices, though. Sad. Paddle switches? From I, I got you another one, by the way. Oh, another nice. full outlet. A definitely screwless outlet? From Yeah. Well, the one that the second one from the same people the matching set yeah rich in uh dc mike todd has 11 outlets and he says eat it i have 15 outlets <laughs> you can all eat it especially solism from stephen hickey yes that's stephen hickey Ooh. in st john's newfoundland canada below is an itemized list of electrical components in my kitchen excluding those used by appliances seven outlets if you count the one in the party in the pantry where the Dyson is plugged in, one dormant phone jack, three light switches, one of which is dimmable, one thermostat for a forced air heater. Oh, is this what we're going to do? Is this, we're going to count outlets? Now? Apparently, this is the new game. From Eric Carlson in Morgantown, West Virginia. Mr. Tony, at the start of last Thursday's show, I got some gifts sent to me. Please don't send me things. I don't need things. Mr. Tony, at the end of Thursday's show, if you think those gummy bears are the best, just send them to me. This is why we listen. Never change. From Lauren Helby. Dear Tony, thanks for introducing me to my new favorite word, bahula. That's all. <laughs> From Brandon Borzelli, our old friend Brandon Borzelli in Brandon. Lebanon, New Jersey. While the Mitch album segment has a lot of people reaching out to long-lost friends or family with tearful reunions, it might not always end up that way. Think of the reunion in the Las Vegas hotel when an unsuspecting Mo Green walked in shaking hands with Tom Hagen, Michael Corleone, and the rest of the New York crew. <laughs> it was all friendly and happy until Michael dropped the bombshell that he wanted to buy Mo Green out. Mo lost, lost his temper and said some stupid things. We all know how that reunion ended. As Hyman Ross said, somebody put a bullet in his eye. <laughs> yeah. That happens. Uh, from CJ, from the land of Wilbon, which I assume is Chicago. What does Argus mean anyway? Argus, bleep yourself. <laughs> of course, like Argo. 
Luke in Hamilton, New York. And Hamilton, New York is where Colgate is. Yes. Hamilton College, not in... Not in Hamilton, New York. I believe in Clinton, New York. Yes. I believe you're right. Dr. Tony, while we're on the topic of Maine geography, here is a fun trivia fact for you. Maine is closer to Africa than any other state. And on the off chance that Puerto Rico becomes a state, Maine would still be closer to Africa by about 30 miles. That probably has to do with the northern quality of it and how it is the northernmost point of Africa, I guess, is, is more on a straight line. That's all I can think of because it's not doesn't make sense. From Charlie Kernigan in, in Clemson, South Carolina. Remember I read, uh, read to you the no notion about Carville being in the steakhouse, in the Crescent City Steakhouse. Oh, right, yes. Right, and that, and that Carville said, yes, he was there. You know, okay. We did not realize Carville was there at first, and someone mentioned he was with a private group on the second floor. I excused myself from the dinner and took an elevator up to try and find the legend, but alas, he was gone. Upon returning to my table dejected, I looked over and realized a large group had sat down next to us, and none other than the Pat Forty. The Pat Forty. And I didn't even bother to sell him this because I didn't read it, was sitting with some other scribes and at least one obnoxious LSU fan. You just had Pat Forty on your show not long before discussing Brooke and her future Olympic run. This was obviously pre-pandemic, so everybody was talking like the Olympics were just around the corner. My daughter, who was 10 at the, at the time, is a pretty good swimmer in her own right, currently ranked one, first or second in multiple categories in our state for our age group, and I figured we may as well try to speak to him. So as dinner wound down, I decided to interrupt the group and ask Mr. Forty for a quick moment of his time. Seeing as we weren't in the bathroom, I shook hands with him and introduced my son who wants to be a sports writer and my daughter, the swimmer, and asked for a picture, which he was gracious enough to let them take. My son had heard them on the podcast, but neither of them really knew who he was, but it was still very cool to me, and Pat really quizzed my daughter on her times, etc. He was very much a swim dad, and it made watching and cheering for Brooke that much better this past summer. I didn't give him a TK salute, but at least I didn't meet some look-alike and go all creepy on him in a public restaurant. <laughs> great is that can i read one more because this is very interesting this is from graham ramsey in halifax virginia which i think is in southern virginia i'm not certain you have been using the word rum dum quite a bit lately and i seem to recall it all started with the peter asher episodes the context in which you used the term led me to believe it was synonymous with average joe or somebody of little notoriety having never heard the word before i put rum dum in my google machine and it spat out a drunkard, especially a derelict alcoholic. During the Peter Asher episodes, you said you were not a rum-dum, but given your propensity to drink large quantities of wine while standing over your sink and giving your affinity for top-shelf bourbon and Johnny Walker Blue, I think you may be a rum-dum after all. <laughs> better let Michael and Peter Asher know, which is a lovely email. Now this is better. After hearing your horror story about I-95 traffic last week between D.C. and Pinehurst, might I suggest the following alternate route that avoids I-95? I-66 West to Gainesville, U.S. 29 South to Culpeper, U.S. 15 South to Oxford, North Carolina, I-85 South to Durham, then follow your usual route to Pinehurst from Durham. The route is 357 miles, seven hours, as opposed to 347 miles via I-95, six hours and 40 minutes. But after you get off I-66, it's a lot less stressful and a lot more scenic. When traffic is bad on I-95, you can likely make better time via US-15. The stretch along US-15 from Culpeper to Farmville, Virginia, is two-lane highway, as is the stretch from Wileysburg, Virginia to Oxford, North Carolina. But it's not a bad drive at all, especially for us old geezers. 
Graham Ramsey, Halifax, Virginia. This gets saved. Yeah, hold on to that one. This gets Doesn't saved. Doesn't have the rest area. If you're out on your, well, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but there's probably a few gas stations. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear one. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan. <laughs>
in Dallas, raised up in the city of the wind. I could spend the months of Sundays talking about the places I've been. Living in the palace of the king. 